Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome into Loretta McNary Live Presents um, Monday with Mr. Pat Williams. He is the senior VP of the NBA team, Orlando Magic, and he will be calling in shortly. And while we are waiting on that, I just want to say I'm just so happy, happy, happy for an opportunity to host my own radio show. It is the most awesome thing, and to talk to all the wonderful people to present them to my listeners. And, of course, there's no show without listeners. So thank you so much for um, continually supporting me and listening and telling your friends and family to listen as well. You know, you can find us on Facebook at Loretta McNary Live or Loretta McNary Show. You can find us at our website www.LorettaMcNary.com and LorettaMcNaryLive.com. So we are very easy, easy, easy to reach. So I want to go ahead and introduce our amazing guest today. It is my privilege to introduce Basketball Hall of Famer Pat Williams, co-founder and senior vice president of the NBA's Orlando Magic. As one of the world's top motivational speakers, Pat has addressed members of Fortune 500 companies, national trade associations, and universities in the United States and abroad. I'm so pleased to have him here with us today. Pat has been a general manager with the NBA teams in Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, including the 1983 world champion 76ers, and now the Orlando Magic, which he helped lead to the NBA Finals in 1995 and 2009. Pat has been able to melt... Great talents, Dr. J and Moses Malone, Charles Barkley, and Maurice Cheeks, Shaquille O'Neal, my son's favorite basketball player of all time, and also Kenny Hardaway, into some of the most memorable championship teams. And he is also the author of over about 80 books. Yeah, I mean, he is a busy, busy man, which range on subjects including sports, leadership, and teamwork. He's also completed 58 marathons, yes, 58 marathons, within the last 14 years, including the Boston Marathon 13 times. And if that wasn't enough, listen to this. (laughs) Pat and his wonderful wife, Ruth, are the parents of 19. 
13 children, including 14 adopted from four foreign countries. They also have 12 amazing grandchildren and counting. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Pat Williams, everybody. Good morning, Mr. Pat Williams. Good morning, Loretta. It's so nice to chat with you. And uh, wow, that was a Burger King introduction. One, <laughs> one, one whopper after the other. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was just real nice to be on with you. Who you really are. Thank you for being here. Thanks. You know that that introduction it it was so short compared to all your accomplishments and all the wonderful giving that you do in addition to your accolades. So um, my hats off to you. I'm very excited about our conversation and thank you again for um, taking the time to talk to us and share your journey and to talk about how to be like Jackie Robinson, life lessons from baseball's greatest hero. Well, there's so much to learn from his life, Loretta. I I saw the movie 42 this weekend and was deeply moved by it. Uh, It's a must-see for for anybody, and I encourage people to go to the movie theater. It's a very accurate movie, and uh, they did their homework thoroughly. And it brought back memories of this book that I wrote called How to Be Like Jackie Robinson, which I think would be a wonderful spinoff after you see the movie uh, to learn more about him. And uh, thus this book that uh, I think can make a difference in many people's lives. We we all need to know about the life of Jackie Robinson and what he meant to American society far beyond baseball. So uh, this is a great opportunity to do that. It is. And um, I think you wrote the book in, what, 2005? Came out a few years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I was very thorough. I did about 1,100 interviews, Loretta, in doing my research with former teammates and opponents and media and whoever might have a thought on Jackie. And <clears throat> many, um, many of those people have since passed away and are no longer here. So I'm so glad uh, that I was able to do the book when I did it uh, because it was uh, you know, important to get as many of those thoughts as we could. So uh, that's a little bit of the background. I, I would describe the book as a motivational biography. Uh, it's not a pure biography of Jackie Robinson. It's a teaching book. Um, you know, I break the chapters down into life lessons, you know, that we can learn from Jackie's life and then have all the stories and anecdotes to fit into each one of those chapters. Right, and we're going to discuss several of them because I've I've got a copy, and thank you guys so much for that, and I have an extra copy that I'm going to give out to one of my lucky members at my TV audience next Friday. So someone's going to receive their very own personal copy of this book, thanks to you guys. And um, so I have, you should see my book. Um, There's one other book that I have tons of um, highlighted areas and sticky notes and notes in it, and it's the Bible. And now this is the second book that looks like it has gone through, and I just got it, you know, like a week ago or less. But it is an amazing book filled with so much great information and lessons and quotes. Oh, my. You know, when you read a motivational book, and I've read several, I've even written one, you seem to get the same quotes by the same people. But in your book, Pat, you have really gone beyond, above and beyond what we can expect when it comes from uh, personal quotes of inspiration and motivation. So we'll share some of that in our conversation. But I just want to get your introduction done, and we'll have our, our big conversation around the life lessons. You are also the senior vice president of the NBA team, um, Orlando Magic, and I got to tell you that 
team I've been following only because my first son, Brandon McNary, um, may he rest in peace, he was an avid fan, avid, avid, avid. Whenever they came to Memphis and uh, when the Grizzlies got the new FedEx Farm, we went to see them, and he was also an avid fan of Shaquille O'Neal. So you are a part of my team. You're a part of my family because you are with Orlando Magic. <laughs> well, we started the franchise, Loretta, uh, 27 years ago, uh, this uh, June, that's when we started up the effort uh, to bring an expansion team here to Orlando. Uh, we played our first game in the fall of 1989. Uh, Shaq joined us in 92. Uh, Penny Hardaway from Memphis joined us in 1993, and uh, that's when we put together that first championship-level club. And uh, so we've got wonderful memories of that. Our 25th anniversary season is coming up this fall, uh, so we've uh, seen a lot of things happen here in Orlando. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you're a Magic fan at heart. Oh, definitely, forever, forever, ever, ever. Because like I said, my son, he deeply, deeply loved them. So, um, and you have so many hats, and then you have done something that I think um, just has earned you wings right now. And you've ado- you have children of your own, and you adopted 14 children from foreign four foreign countries. That doesn't get you your wings. I don't know what will. Well, we have a big family. We uh, have 19 children total. Uh, the oldest is 41. The youngest is 27 now. And uh, 14 of the children were adopted over a 10-year period, uh, 1983 to 93. Uh, they four from South Korea, four from the Philippines, two from Romania, and four from Brazil. So uh, that would be described as a international family, that's for sure. And uh, they've all they they're they're all adults now, <laughs> chronologically at least. And uh, we do have twelve <laughs> grandchildren and twin boys coming in July. So the the grandchildren numbers look like they're going to keep increasing for a while. <laughs> I mean, you can only imagine that that will happen because you have 19 children, so um, so there are no great-grands, just all grandchildren at this point. Yes, the oldest grandchildren is now eight. Uh, the youngest oh, okay, so is about the youngest is about five months. So, yeah, so we we've got quite a ways to go before the next round comes, but uh, we're enjoying the grandchildren a great deal. <laughs> okay, that is so wonderful. For those who only knew you from that professional MBA um, status, I wanted them to know something about you personally. And so I want to go ahead and talk about the um, your How to Be Like series because you have six and you have a co-writer as well. And the one we're talking about today is How to Be Like Jackie Robinson. But can you tell us the other four, the other five? Well, actually, Loretta, there are nine books in that series. The first one came oh, out in 2001. Uh, we wrote a book called How to Be Like Mike, uh, you know, an in-depth look at Michael Jordan. Uh, that book is still in print, by the way, uh, 13, 12, 13 years later. It's uh, in the sports mm. section. Then the second book we did was How to Be Like Jesus, and that was a fascinating project. Then we did uh, How to Be Like Women of Influence, uh, we took 20 women that we thought were the most influential in, the, in recent history and did a chapter on each one of them. Then came How to Be Like Rich DeVos. He's the co-founder of the Amway organization and the owner of the Orlando Magic. Then came Walt Disney, How to Be Like Walt, and that was fascinating. <laughs> uh, we did How to Be Like Coach Wooden, the great UCLA coaching legend. 
and uh, How to Be Like Jackie Robinson. There were two more. We did How to Be Like Women Athletes of Influence and How to Be Like Women of Power. We took another look at 20 other women. But uh, through the years, boy, what a fascinating project the whole thing was. We did nine total, and that's where it mm-hmm. stands right now. But the Jackie book came out. Um, I tracked down every one of his living teammates. I tracked down uh, hundreds of opponents, you know, through that period of Major League Baseball, many media members, uh, sociologists, professors, you know, uh, I mean, on and on and on. It was just an endless research project and uh, ended up doing about 1,100 interviews uh, trying to get to the heart of Jackie and learn everything I could. More more importantly, what we can all learn from Jackie's life. And so mm-hmm. when this movie came out this uh, last couple of weeks, it just sparked everything uh, with the publisher and me, you know, to get this Jackie story out. Because when you leave the movie, Loretta, you know, I, I, I felt this, you want more. You know, I want more about Jackie. You know, I've seen him in his first year <laughs> in the big leagues in this movie, but there's got to be more to his life. And that's what we tried to capture in this book. Mm. Like I said, I have not. I have. I have the book. I have not completely finished it because there's so much to dissect and to take in that you, it's, it's a great book, and you could not read it at one sitting because it touches your heart and your soul, and it gives you so many wonderful lessons and quotes to really help and inspire you. So, and I got to tell you, one of my favorites so far, and I'm no way um, finished with the book. But there was one from President Harry S. Truman that says, how far would Moses have gone if he had taken a pole in Egypt? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I had never heard that quote, and I'm an avid reader. I I breathe in books, and they're done. So to not have heard that, and it is so profound, because that's what people do in life. And, and, you know, I even did that before I started my, my TV show. Uh, I wanted to get people's opinions, and what I really was looking for was confirmation or to say, go ahead and do it. I didn't want people to say I couldn't do it. I just wanted them to all agree that it was a great thing, but I didn't get that. So if I had to just, you know, took what they said and not started my show, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't have met some of the most amazing people on this earth, though. I love those quotes. Well, Loretta, I think think Mr. Truman was simply saying, you know, as a leader, there are times when you have to be bold. Uh, make decisions, um, gather information and study and analyze, but when it's time to make the decision, you make it and you move on and you don't look back and you don't second-guess yourself. And that's what Mr. Truman was referring to. And uh, it's a very very insightful quote that he made. And so uh, we do a chapter on Jackie Robinson on leadership. Uh, We talk about Jackie and courage. We talk about Jackie and self-discipline. And uh, so many aspects of his life. And as you see that movie, Loretta, and uh, read this book, um, when he came to the attention of Branch Rickey, the president of the Dodgers, who had decided to break the color line in 1945 and get started, uh, he, he, he had that famous meeting where he brought Jackie into Brooklyn to talk to him and basically said, Jackie, you're the guy we're picking. Uh, we're going to break the color line, and you're, and you're the man. But you've got to promise me that for the first three years, no matter what is said to you, no matter what is done to you, no matter how you were treated by your teammates or opponents or anybody in any walk of life, you've got to promise me that for three years you will turn the other cheek mm-hmm. and, and that you will not respond because if you do, this experiment could be delayed for ten years. 
You know, we don't know what will happen. And, and, and we think you're the man to do it. And Jackie made the commitment to Mr. Ricky and said that for three years he would not fight back. And it was not Jackie's nature. You know, that was not who he was. But he made that promise. And uh, we'll never know what he lived through, Loretta. All the verbal taunts and the, the you know, the balls thrown to hit him and hurt him. And, you know, I mean, whatever he put up with, it was just unbelievable. But for three years, he honored his commitment to Mr. Ricky and, and did not fight back. And the experiment worked and opened the doors for many other black players. You know, Willie Mays was close behind, and, and then came Henry Aaron, and uh, Jackie laid the groundwork for all of them. And that's why they're so grateful to him. Mm-hmm. It is. It's such an amazing story of, of so many things, like triumphs and triumphs and overcoming in such a big way that it just blows my mind. I've yet to see the movie. I was going to go this weekend, but I um, – Entered a new club called the Grandmother Club, so I had my first grandson this weekend uh, on Saturday. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to see it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just changed by that. But I have been reading the book, and I have done a lot of research on on Jackie Robinson and the things that he was able to endure. I can personally say and honestly say I don't know if I would have been able to continue just from me looking on the outside in. I may have been, but I don't know because it was tremendous. It was more than any one person should have had to go through. But he all he taught all of us a lesson, regardless of our um, our skin color and our you know our cultures and our backgrounds. He taught. He can teach us so much much more if we would just look at his life and definitely read this book. So have you ever made a decision that you self-doubted or um, did, you, do you, did you ever struggle with self-doubt yourself, Pat? Because you've done so many things. Well, I, I, you know, we all have a tendency it's from time to time to look back and when a fork in the road came, what would, have, what would have happened if I had gone down this road instead of the other road? Uh, but I try not to spend a lot of time doing that because – there's not a whole lot you can do about the past, Loretta. You want to learn from the past and benefit mm-hmm. from it. But uh, so many of us live in the past and pitch a tent in yesterday, and uh, we've got to we've got to absolutely refuse to do that because there's nothing to be gained. Um, tomorrow hasn't come yet, and I think our real mission, Loretta, is uh, is to live this day to the fullest. John Wooden, the great coach, said, "Make each day your masterpiece." And I, I, I think if you string, string enough masterpiece days together, uh, you're going to have a bright future as well. So I, I think that's really the lesson that I'm, I'm trying to advance here on that topic. Mm-hmm. You're also one of America's top motivational speakers. You address thousands and thousands of executives and organizations ranging from Fortune 500 companies and national associations to universities and nonprofits. You have um, your client list looks like who's who in the world of um, everything. So um, tell us about that, and also we'll give out contact information because I'm sure people will want to know how they can um, contact you for speaking engagements and to just share your amazing story. Well, Loretta, the best thing to do is just to uh, email me at pwilliams at orlandomagic.com, pwilliams at orlandomagic.com. Uh, my website is uh, patwilliams.com, patwilliams.com. I speak generally in the corporate world on three different topics, leadership, teamwork, and winning. And mm-hmm. and uh, so I will meet, uh, you know, before in advance and 
talk to the different organizations about exactly how I should tailor my message and what is most appropriate for this particular group. But at the end of the day, I am uh, speaking about leadership, teamwork, and what it takes to be an extreme winner. Those are the three prime topics I'm, I'm finding that corporate America is interested in. And uh, as I said, I, I want to tailor that talk exactly for the group so that you know, I, I, I hit right in the middle of the bullseye for them. So I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy that very much. I'm on the road somewhere each week, you know, speaking in in some different capacity around the country. And so I'm I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to do that. I think what I'm really doing, Loretta, at this point in my life, is uh, investing back down through my speaking and my writing, investing back down in the next generations. Uh, I've had so many opportunities and so many interesting things happen and so many people who have invested in my life uh, that I feel I, I've got an obligation now to invest back down in, in the younger generations. That's beautiful, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're leaving behind a legacy that will, you know, outlive us all because of, I mean, your, your integrity, integrity, and your excellence. So, uh, on your website at um, patwilliams.com, you have a blog, and your most recent one, the one I really, really love, is the one where you talk about a leader's vision, focus, and fuel to finish. One thing that I'm finding and that I see when I talk to different groups and different people is that the focus is not there. They get so easily distracted. So what's your take on how do you um, stay focused? And well, Loretta, exactly I wrote a – Robinson stay focused. Well, he did. He was absolutely focused on one mission, and that was to be the, the very best ball player he could be because if he had failed as a baseball player, Loretta, that, that wasn't going to help anything. I mean, he had a – be an outstanding player first of all so he had to he had to discipline himself to block out all the noise all the hoots and the hollers and the racial slurs and you know these uh, everything that was designed to tear him down he just had to develop you know the ability just to block that out it was hard for him but i think eventually he he did it and uh, not not get waylaid and distracted so i think that was important i wrote a book a couple of years ago called Ex extreme focus because i found that that all successful people loretta have that in common uh, they have the ability to lock in they've got a mission to perform they've got a, a drive in their life they've got passion in their life but they've got to block out the distractions they've got to stay off the side roads uh, get off the rabbit trails, and, and really go through life, in many cases, like horses at the Kentucky Derby uh, with blinders on, you know, absolutely zoned in on what has to be done. And you know, they have a timeline in their mind, and they've got to get it done, and they don't let anything bother them. They don't let anything distract them. I think you can learn to do that. I think it's a it's a discipline that you can work on and get better at we're all working on that but but the ability to focus concentrate not get distracted is so vital in leadership and beyond so in in the first discussion about leadership it always comes down to your vision your goals what are you trying to accomplish where are you headed but uh, but without focus you're going to drift and wander as a leader and you got to get got to keep those blinders on if you're going to get where you need to get. Wow. 
Wow, and that's so hard for us because um, I'm a woman of faith, and I want to talk about that somewhere in our conversation. But it's it's difficult because people do have a tendency, and I've done this too, I'm just not pointing fingers, to take our eyes off the vision, take our eyes off the prize because life happens, and they think that if once you if you can reach a level like a Pat Williams or a um, or if the level that Jackie Robinson, we forget that you guys had to go through tough trials and tribulations too. All we can see is that you've arrived in where you are. So you have to be very determined and have a vision. So what is it for you that you think kept you going as opposed to someone who may have had a strong vision just like yours, maybe even certain circumstances and, you know, just the equality of what a successful person has, and and that's just really vision. Well, Loretta, when I was seven years old, my dad took me to my first Major League Baseball game. It was in Philadelphia, and uh, as a seven-year-old, I fell in love with the sights and the sound and the smell and the color of baseball. And I, oh. I created a vision at that point. At seven, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a ball player. And so, excuse me, through high school and college and then um, into the into the Phillies organization, that was my vision of being a major league catcher. And uh, nothing, nothing got in my way. I, I didn't make it to the big leagues but I did get to play a couple of years of minor league baseball, and then the Phillies rechanneled me into the front office, and I spent five years um, running minor league ball clubs for them. And then that led to the opening 45 years ago you know, of, of getting into the National Basketball Association, where I've been ever since as an executive and a, and a team general manager. But But it all started with that vision when I was seven years old. So I encourage parents, teachers, coaches, Plant that vision in your youngster's life right now. You know, as a as a very young child, plant the vision about, you know, I could see you being an outstanding doctor one day. Or I can see you, uh, you know, being a coach, you know, when you get older because you love kids. You know, I mean, you, you start planting that vision of what you see for them in their life. And, and then you start encouraging that and you start giving them opportunities and you you, uh, you begin to stretch their minds. It's so important, Loretta, as parents and grandparents, teachers, coaches, youth workers. Gosh, we've got such an opportunity with our youngsters. And to find that vision and then start nurturing it and growing it and expanding it, I think that's really a, a key part of uh, developing young people in this country. I think that's huge, but somewhere along the line, again, my personal opinion, parents don't have that, and I'm not trying to be generalizing every parent because I know this is not true of every parent, and I'm not saying that. But what I'm seeing, especially when you know I'm called out to, to speak at schools, that the parents have lost their own personal dreams, their own visions, and maybe no one spoke that into their lives. So how can parents or you know teachers or whoever or coaches give that back to our generation of children that we have so we can have more Pat Williams, Jackie Robinson, um, Shaquille O'Neal's, and, um, you know, just all these amazing people, the Steve Jobs. I mean, how do we do that? Well, Loretta, it may not be a parent. You know, it may be a coach or a, a youth worker or uh, somebody in the neighborhood, you know, who takes an interest in youngsters. It, it, it may be somebody at that level, uh, but you need somebody, as you just said, to speak into their life and, and and give them cast a vision of what they can become. You know, I see something in you, honey. I see something in you, young man, that's exceptional. 
you know, you've got the ability to speak so well, or you, if you're an eight-year-old kid, you know, you, you've, you've got an entrepreneurial spirit, and I can see you being a great businessman someday. Um, you know, if the parent doesn't do it, teachers, coaches, youth workers, neighborhood guys, you know, they have to do it. And so I'm just simply, in chatting with you, Loretta, just alerting the adult world, you know, to take an interest in these children and, and, and above all, plant a vision in their life. And they may not grasp it immediately, but if you keep reinforcing it, uh, you know, the great things can happen. So uh, I'm just saying leadership always begins with vision, and uh, that's how I open my talk, uh, you know, when I, when I speak on the seven sides of leadership. Mm-hmm. That is so good. Okay, I, I, on Chapter 6 in your book, How to Be Like Jackie Robinson, I Am the Right Man for the Test. Wow, that's so different from what we normally hear people say, I'm the right man for the job, I'm the right man, you know, for this role, I'm the right man for that, but you're saying I'm the right man for this test. Can you tell me your inspiration and what what you wanted us to get out of that chapter? Well, this really was a test for Jackie, and, uh, you know, he had played college sports at UCLA, he'd been in the Army, Uh, he was playing for Kansas City in the Negro Leagues in 1945, and then came this invitation to come to Brooklyn to meet with Mr. Ricky. And, and Mr. Ricky let, let, let him know very openly, you know, what, what was on his mind, that he wanted to break the color line. And, and, and he said, Jackie, we've decided you're the guy. You know, you've, you've had experience in college sports. You've been in the military. Uh, you're a little bit older, a little bit more, more mature. Uh, we're very impressed with your, your wife. You know, we feel she's going to be an asset. And, uh, we're going to, it's going to be a huge test for you. Uh, your teammates are going to test you. The fans are going to test you. The other teams are going to test you to the limit, you know, to see if you've got what it takes. And uh, Jackie said, okay, I'll take the test, Mr. Ricky. I'll, I'll take it. With the stipulation that for three years I can't fight back. I have to turn the other cheek. But, but Loretta, the key was that he had to play well. You know, he had to be an outstanding player for this thing to work. And, and, he, wa- and he was. He was 26 years old when all this started, and he was a little bit older. But uh, his first year was terrific. The Dodgers won the National League pennant that year in 47, played in the World Series. And, and Jackie um, was a big part of that. So think about that. He comes out of, uh, you know, a, a not much of a baseball background, gets, goes right to the major leagues after one year in AAA. And, and helps lead his team to the World Series. Unbelievable. And uh, and then uh, in 1949, they get to the World Series, 52, 53, 55, 56, uh, win the World Series in 55 in Brooklyn. And so Jackie was a winner, and he was part of winning teams. And uh, that was a huge test that he had a pass. Ends up in the Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, as as a, a, as a Hall of Fame ball player. So that was a huge test on many fronts, and Jackie passed all the tests. And I love how you keep saying not only did he have to pass all these tests, and, you know, he had made that three-year commitment that he would not fight, but you always remind us that, and he also has to be a dynamic player because that is so critical. He could have passed the test of saying, you know, I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm just going to do what i got to do. I'm going to ignore all those distractions and outside noise. 
and just, you know, been a minimal player, but that wouldn't have made his life a best a baseball Hall of Famer because he still had to have that unique skill of being an incredible um, ball player. So that means that not only do you have to overcome, you, I want to make this personal and every today for people, um, and I want to get your feedback if you agree with me, that not only do you have to overcome whatever it is you have to overcome, and, and all of us have to. It, it's not always about, you know, a racial thing or money thing. We have things we have to overcome, but at the same time we have to be a person of integri- integrity, a leader, a visionary, and just really, really good at what we do. Lorena, I think you summarized it beautifully. You know, we can't get hung up on all that other stuff at the end of the day, no matter our skin color or our religion or our background or, or any of that, we are judged by how well we perform, you know, in, in, in our in our business world or if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a pastor. You know, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to competence and, and we're measured by results. And, and uh, are we really, really good at our profession? Are we living to our full potential? And uh, are we doing it with great character? So, so vitally important. And we can get so hung up, Loretta, on all the side issues, all the company gossip and all the rumors and all this, that, and the other. And, you know, I'm not able to do my job because of, I mean, we can come up with a million (laughs) excuses, but at the end of the day, we are measured by how we perform, how good we are. In my my business of sports, it's very bottom line. It all comes down to wins and losses, and uh, we're measured on wins and uh, but that's true of all of us. I don't care what field we're in. You know, at the end of the day, you know, do we have uh, a lot of W's, a lot of wins on our on our resume, on our bottom line. So stay focused and do your job and don't worry about your next job and don't worry about what other people are doing. Go perform well. Go perform well. And there are countless stories, and you, like you said, you have nine of them in your book series that we can look back on because, we like I said, we always want to concentrate on the glamour and the glitz of somebody's life. And with these books that you've written, The How to Be Life, you always share. And like I said, I can only imagine comparing this book to your other eight, that you seem to share the downside, the hard times, the trials, the tribulations that these people had to endure because a lot of people say, I want to, I want to be like Pat Williams. I want to have my own TV talk show like Oprah or like Ellen or whoever, but you don't understand that these people still had to, and probably still today, I'm sure even still today, they go through these trials and these tests that someone like Jackie Robinson and Walt Disney and all these other amazing people had to go through. It was not just an overnight sensation or success. Loretta, they all struggled. Every great person I've ever studied, read about or examined, uh, had so many heartaches, so many setbacks. So many disappointments, but yet they, uh, they they just kept battling. They they wouldn't succumb. Uh, they 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 got up after getting knocked down. Listen, Walt Disney went bankrupt twelve times. He he had two nervous breakdowns. We we think Walt came into the world with pixie dust just sprinkled all over him. <laughs> well, when you when you really study his life, eighth grade education fired by the Kansas City Star newspaper when he was 19, uh, started out on his own, uh, built his own company, lots of setbacks, lots of failures. But he hung in there because the vision in his life was so strong. And he knew what he wanted to accomplish. And uh, listen, 55 million visitors came to Orlando last year 
you know, to come visit, all because of Walt's mouse that he created back in the 1920s. And uh, I'm so glad that through all the tough stuff, Walt didn't quit. Uh, because if he had, you know, there'd be a lot of people deprived of lots of joy in their life that Disney still provides and always will. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You also have a blog on your uh, website, patwilliams.com, called Praise and Public Criticizing Private, which I think is advice, whether you, great advice, whether you're a parent or leader or a coach, a VP, and can you can you tell them something about what's in this? Because that's what I've I, that's how my mom my mom and dad raised me. That's how I raised my sons, and hopefully my son will raise his son the same way. You praise in public, and then do the criticizing if you have to in private. There's no need to ever publicly humiliate somebody. Yeah, people, uh, you know, criticism needs to be done at certain times, but. It's uh, it is embarrassing to people, and you don't call them out. I don't believe in front of others. Uh, I just think that's the wrong thing to do. If you've got a problem with an employee or one of your athletes or whatever, you know, go into the office and close the door and iron it out and get it resolved and and move on. But to uh, to go after a player or go after somebody on your business team in front of everybody else, uh, that 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 destroys people. You know that that creates uh, you know, within them uh, a feeling of absolute dejection and humiliation. You don't need to do that as a leader or as a parent. Uh, so handle the criticism alone and uh, and praise in public when, it, when it's deserved. Uh, you don't praise for, uh, you know, way to brush your teeth today, son, or, boy, that's a mm-hmm. beautiful way to comb your hair. I can't think, you know, you, know, you, 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 <laughs> you, pick, your, you pick your spots, and, and praise needs to be specific. You know, you're doing a great job. Well, I would say that project that you had in last week, you know, that was due, boy, that was so valuable. It sure helped us. We got the new account, and your contributions were absolutely indispensable and can't begin to thank you enough. I mean, that's the kind of praise that really means something. Right, because it's specific, and, and you have a reason, and, and so they know that you're really paying attention. Because anybody can tell, you know, hey, you're doing a great job, and but if you don't really bring it home and personalize it to me where I can really see the value that you're really knowing what you're saying and you're looking at me as a person, then that means the world. Like you say, if you just break it down and point out something more um, specific that they did. I also wanted to talk about, because I know some of my basketball fans are listening to this interview and they will just think I'm remiss if I don't talk a little about um, the NBA history and how you've been an integral part of it, uh, including bringing the NBA to Orlando, as we talked about. But you also have... You won four of the NBA draft lotteries, including back-to-back winners in 1992 and 1993. How did did that feel at that moment for you? Oh, it's exciting, and we get to do it again (laughs) this year. And on May 21st, we're back in the lottery. But uh, when those ping-pong balls are bouncing around and you have no idea how it's going to turn out, but then when they start turning those logo cards over and, you know, little by little you get closer to three, Two, one, and on four different occasions from starting in 1986 up through 2004, you know, the the logo was turned over uh, for my franchise, and boom, there you got it. You got the number one pick in the draft, and oh, boy, it's a a moment of great exhilaration, particularly uh, when you know that there's a great young player there. In 92, we knew it was Shaq. Uh, Mm -hmm. In 04, we knew it was going to be young Dwight Howard. And uh, and you know that those kind of players, 
you know, can absolutely turn your franchise very quickly. And you've got you've got a you've got a special athlete. Now that's not the case every year. You know, there's not one of those players franchise turners. You know, in every draft. But nevertheless, to win to win the lottery in in pro basketball is it's the ultimate, really, and it's a it's a thrill that lasts for a long time. Okay, let me ask you this question as it relates to basketball. One of my dear friends and my favorite. Um, college basketball coach is, of course, um, Josh Tassner here in Memphis, Tennessee, and I asked him this question. Is there such a thing as an uh, amazing, gifted, talented player can be uncoachable? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And what makes them uncoachable if they already have this kind of um, superstar talent? Or attitude. Um you know, every coach I've ever worked with in the NBA for, for 45 years, you know, when you're getting ready to draft the player, uh, these coaches always ask the same questions. If we take him, can I coach him? <laughs> Will he listen to me? D- does he have a teachable spirit? Um, does he understand his role? Uh, will he accept the role that we need here? I mean, they all are interested in that, Loretta. So, mm. yes, outstanding talent is important, but you need all those intangibles to come with it, you know, to truly have a, a great player in your team. So we do the best we can. You know, each team and their scouts, they study, they evaluate, they, they train, learn everything they can about these young athletes on and off the court, uh, what kind of people they are. The skill part is probably the easiest part to measure, uh, uh-huh. but the hardest part is what's inside the young man's heart and in his head, and uh, does he have that coachable, teachable spirit? So it is vitally yeah. important, vitally. And you are mirroring what um, Coach Pastor said to me, the same thing, that that is so important to him. He'd rather have somebody with, you know, less talented, you know, still very talented, but not as talented as a superstar, but has a great attitude because he felt like he was more coachable and he could work with him and would be an asset to the team and not someone who would take from the team just because he was a great player. So when it comes, and I tell guys this and parents, how many positions are there within, you know, in the NBA on the field, I mean, on the court? I know that, you know, there are other careers, and I want I want you to address that too, but how do we tell our, our boys and our girls that there are only, what, a thousand slots for the NBA, but these are other careers that you might want to look at as well? Well, every young guy uh, who plays basketball or rather thinks he's going to be an NBA player, but mm-hmm. just do the math. We have 30 teams. Uh, we're allowed up to 15 players on each team. So if my math is correct, you know, that's maybe 450 players. And um, uh, of them, uh, 10 are going to play a lot. So that's, where are we now? To 30 times 10. So that's 300 players. And uh, of them, 8 are really going to play. So that's 240 out of the millions that play the game as kids, Loretta, just think about mm-hmm. it. So, mm-hmm. so the the odds are, you know, they're not going to make it. Just a handful do every year, you know, become professionals. Just a handful, and and so, uh, you know, I encourage. That's why I encourage young men and young women get your college degree. You know, have another career plan. 
you know, don't put all your eggs in the basketball basket because that basket can crumble at any time. And so take your schoolwork seriously. Go back to school. Get your diploma. You know, have have another game plan. There's so many former players, Loretta, who are just floundering out there. It's sad. Floundering. Mm -hmm. You know, in many cases, they've blown their money. Uh, you know they've got to they've got to try and get another job now and try and rebuild their life and so many of them struggle terribly with that. So um, that's my counsel to young people. Mind you, so the other careers in the NBA, you know, of course, they're coaches, they're assistant coaches, and and all of that that's actively involved in the game of basketball. But there are tons of other areas as it relates to sports that they can get involved in. And I and I like to encourage them, not trying to discourage them. I want them to be their best and go for it if that's their goal. But you always, especially in an area industry that you can, you know, 1,500 players, you know, that's that's crazy when we got millions of boys and girls who want to play. So we got to tell them. Uh, at the same time, not trying to discourage them, but you know, you got to have some insight and some intellect when it comes to choosing the right career. That there are other careers associated with the sports industry. Yeah, you know, the and there are, there are, there are in 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 sales and administration, and they're they're not they're not in abundance, but uh, they are there. I encourage uh, college graduates to go get their their master's degree. In uh, sports administration, uh, there, there are many, many good schools. There's one here in Orlando, uh, the DeVos Sports Management School at the University of Central Florida. Uh, but around the country, you know, opportunities to get your master's in sports business or, or get a double master's. You can get a sports administration degree and your MBA, you know, in, in, right. one, in one swoop. And so go for it. Do that. Uh, because um, it's so competitive out there today, Loretta. So competitive uh, that, that your that your master's degree is is really mandatory. It's not optional. So not I encourage anymore. not not anymore. You know, it's just a very competitive world in all fields, and you've mm-hmm. got to have that formal education nailed down as soon as as quickly as possible. Uh, quickly as possible. So I encourage it's college graduates possible. to. Get on their get on their graduate work right away, and uh, don't put it off. Don't put it. Well, you have a caller. I'm going to um, kind of open up our phone lines now and take a couple of calls, and then we'll you and I will continue our one-on-one. But I did tell people that if they called in, I will allow them to chat with you. If that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, Phone number to call in, 347-539-5772, And we are going to area code 661-202. You are now on Loretta McNary Live. Why, thank you, and good morning to you. Good morning to you. I know that we're definitely in playoff season, um, and that brings my I, – I, well, my question is this. How would one – an outsider, outside of uh, sports administration, but more so into merchandising, um, definitely make the connection with the Orlando Magic as far as merchandising is concerned. What what part of the marketing department would one need to connect with? Because I know that oftentimes there's um, just so much enthusiasm surrounded around the game, and even outside of the administration or the organization, you know, how can one be a part of, of that excitement through marketing? Great uh, in, in other words, you're you're interested in get, uh, working for an NBA team. I'm not quite sure what your question is. Well, just the merchandising part. Uh, I know that most. Well, I know with the LA Lakers and 
the heat, et cetera, they all have stores and what have you, and they have yes. issues that to deal with or what have you. Um, and a lot of times they're just people who are just excited about being attached to the organization or the game. How would they go about connecting with um, the magic? Well, I would say um, get your resume into our HR department. Yes, we have a team store. Uh, we operate it out of our new building. Uh, we also have a team store up here at our um, at our at our um, RDV Sportsplex, which is a big sports recreational center. So we we have we operate two team stores. And uh, if you're interested in working at one of the team stores, uh, get your get your resume in with a letter okay. telling them specifically that's what you want to do. And if there are openings, you know we always try and hire the best people. Right. I was also speaking of vent, the actual vending, because I know that um, just in listening to the, the dialogue, you know, a lot of times there are athletes who still want to be attached to the game or what have you in whatever capacity. So I was thinking about marketing and vending, you know, the merchandising, not mm-hmm. actually working in the physical store. Okay. Well, different players do do. Uh, we have players in our who work in our community. Some uh, retired players. Most franchises do have those players. Several that uh, are were well, well known in their cities. And um, I, I'm not. Occasionally, I guess a player would get into the merchandising end, but primarily uh, the ex players are here to do clinics and work in the community and help with youngsters and be counselors to the, the current NBA players. You know who are much younger and be advisors to them and help them navigate all this life in pro basketball. So, you know, we do, we do, uh, I think every team in the league has a couple of guys, former players, and they all do a good job as far as I can see. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, thank you so much for calling. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go back. Because they're calling now. We only have ten minutes left in the show, so uh, and, and, okay. So, <laughs> great answer, and I know a lot of people do want to be involved. And that was a great question because I always wonder because you mentioned your logo is that in house? You all um, have third party uh, companies that you deal with as a franchise, or is all of it in house? Um, like I'm your not marketing, quite... your logos. Well, all of that really is is controlled out of the league office, and uh, okay. you know they control they control the uh, accounts and who who produces the merchandise, and they oversee the logo. Uh, you know you can't just up and change your colors or logo; it all has to run through the league. So they they keep a very tight rein, you know, on the quality of the merchandise, and um, you know who who um, you can't just up and do anything you want. You've got to go through the league office if you're a uh, somebody who makes all this stuff or manufactures it. So it's all very tightly controlled, and the, the teams work in hand in hand with the league on those things. Okay, well that's great. And I, uh, another one of my favorite quotes, and this is from the former Chicago Bull, B.J. Armstrong. He was talking about Michael Jordan when he said this. He is disciplined, doing the right thing, not some of the time, not most of the time, but all of the time. Wow. And that's what we all have to strive for, not just in basketball or baseball, but in life, right? Do you agree with that? Well, it comes down to self-discipline. You can have Mm -hmm. the greatest goals in the world, Loretta. Uh, You can have a huge vision for your life, but without self-discipline, 
nothing is going to happen. <clears throat> and self-discipline, I think, is doing what you have to do and doing it when it has to be done, uh, doing it the best it can be done, and doing it that way every time you do it. Uh, I think that, I think that's the key to self-discipline. And and without it, you know, we're always going to be drifting and wandering. And you know, you wonder why some people never get things done. Uh, they never can nail things down. And I think <clears throat> a breakdown in self-discipline in most cases is the reason for that. Wow. Because, I mean, you hear about, you know, how often and, and how many free throw shots Michael Jordan was taking, how many um, things Tiger Woods did and all these great players. So I guess self-discipline also includes the amount of time that you spend perfecting your craft when no one is looking as well. Oh, I think that's the key, Loretta. And uh, there's nobody there to make you do it. You know, once you, once you pass your teen years, when your parents are there <clears throat> overseeing your whole life, basically, uh, once you're out on your own at 18, you know, if you can't discipline yourself as a college student or in the military or at work, wherever you are, you know, somebody else has to do it for you, and they they're, they're, they don't have time to do that with adults. You know, if you're running a company or you're, you're there in college, you've got to get it done yourself. And uh, without self-discipline, you know, you're going to fall by the wayside. And, uh, you know, when, when kids are young, you know, the parents provide the discipline. But eventually, that self-discipline has to kick in and, and really take hold of you, you know, if you're going to be successful in life. All right, nobody can do it for you. We as parents cannot do it, as coaches, as team owners, as employers, as CEOs, we cannot do the hard work for anybody. Nobody can do that for us. We have to do the hard work and be determined that we are going to be the best we can be, and um, that's relative sometimes to that person. But I, I, we have a few minutes left in the show, and I want to talk about, because we talked about, you know, you're an amazing speaker, an awesome writer, and an incredible um, businessman. So let's kind of talk about your family, because you and your family have been featured in Sports Illustrated, Reader's Digest, Good Housekeeping, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Focus on the Family, as well as all the major network and cable television news channels. And at one time, you all had 16 teenagers at one time. So are, do you incorporate your parenting style into your professional life, or are you incorporating your professional life into your parenting style to make all oh, this happen? Probably, probably both, Loretta, but we've written, <laughs> uh, my wife and I have written on parenting, we wrote a book a few years ago called You've Got to Be Kidding, in which we shared you know, all that we have learned you know, about parenting that large tribe. And, yes, there was one year when 16 of the kids were all teenagers at the same time. People do ask me a great deal about advice on parenting, and you know, we don't have time to get into all the uh, details of that. But uh, I do think that uh, it's vital to have a, a good balance of love and discipline, you know, if you if you go to extremes uh, either way, you know you're you're going to have a child that's going to be unbalanced. But you've got they've got to know that they're loved, but they also have to know that there's discipline in the home. Uh, secondly, you've got to have time with your children, and this is particularly true with dads, you know, who have busy schedules and have jobs and all of that. But your kids need your time, uh, they need your attention, uh, they want you there at their activities, you know, they want you there at their cheerleading or their their games or their swimming meets, and so it's vitally important uh, to do whatever you have to do to be part of the, the children's lives. And uh, 
Then the third thing maybe I would offer is it's okay to have fun. You know, yeah. I, I think when when years go on, you know, I think children are going to remember uh, were my mom and dad fun to live with? Uh, were they fun people? Yeah, they disciplined us and they did what they had to do, but, uh, you know, do we remember lots of good and fun times? And I I think it's so important for parents to create that and, and uh, you know, have a, an atmosphere that children grow up in that they will remember years from now. You know, that my parents really knew how to how to, how to have, make it fun for us, and and that's what we most remember about them. So those are those are just some quick thoughts that come to mind. I'd love that. I'd like to add that uh, one thing that I had to I found out the hard way was sharing some of the things that and sharing some of my mistakes with my sons because. With, there are several instances. One of my sons was like, well, Mom, everybody can't um, be perfect like you. And we were talking about report cards, and I'd always, well, you know, I made all A's and B's. I was in the National Honor Society, and I, da, 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 and I made E's. And, and he had a report card where he didn't, you know, he got a C, and I was, like, not criticizing him but saying, you know, this is not you, you're not a C student, da, da, da. He's like, well, Mom, everybody can be perfect, so I had to share. I, it hurt my feelings, number one, because he was telling the truth, where all they saw was my good, and I was comparing my good to their bad and so I had to start sharing some of my mistakes, and now that made me a better mom, and they saw me as a real person and not some idealistic kind of mom. So I uh, will have to have you back and just talk about the parenting because, you know, we don't talk about successful people and how they parent. So I think that would be a great topic. But anyway, well, thank, thank you so much. I'm almost running out of time. Do you have any last um, remarks you want to make because there are other chapters that are um, 11 amazing chapters in your book, um, How to Be Like Jackie Robinson, Life Lessons from Baseball's Greatest Hero. I'm thoroughly enjoying it and have definitely enjoyed our time today. Well, Loretta, the first thing I would tell your listeners is make sure to go see the movie that's in theaters now. It's it's called 42. That was Jackie Robinson's uniform number. And when Mm -hmm. you watch the movie, just know that it's real. It's been researched well. And as kind of a Jackie Robinson expert, I guess, you know, every, everything they uh, they did was, was uh, right according to what happened. So go in, the movie's about two hours and eight minutes, and uh, it, it's a magnificent film. And then the, the book that I wrote, How to Be Like Jackie Robinson, you can go up to Amazon.com to order it. I think that's probably the most efficient way at this point. And, uh, I, I, and you're, you're certainly welcome to hit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com. And my Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat, and I always look forward to hearing from from, from friends. So, oh, that is video, so Fred, real, good, real good to visit with you. I appreciate the call, and I wish you all the yes. best. Thank you, and and I wish you all the best and more success. And look forward to reading more of your how-to books. I wonder who's going to be the next that you um, choose to write about. But thank you for all you contribute to this wonderful world. Because of who you are, um, you are definitely helping to make all of us better and inspire us to um, reach beyond our our um, trials and our pain and our tribulations and, and be more like Jackie Robinson. So I just want to thank you so much for being our guest. I want to thank our listeners so much for listening. And as you know, this show is always available in archives, so invite your friends and family to listen. And in the closing, I'd like to um, share a quote that's in How to Be Like Jackie Robinson on page 200 by um, Jack Nicholas, the golfer. Commit yourself to whatever it is you love to do. And don't forget to appreciate the people who help you along the way. Everybody, there's our time. I'm Loretta McNary live, and I will see you very, very soon. Bye-bye. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.